This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This episode is brought to you by Oh Hello Media. Oh Hello Media is the nation's leading visual storytellers of brand experiences. They utilize creative storytelling to empower brands with meaningful photography, videography, and video post-production that elicits emotion to create a lasting and memorable impression between your target audience and your brand. Not only do they have team members in every city across the country, their turnkey operational solution saves clients an average of 10 hours of project management. 10 hours! To learn more about Oh Hello Media Services and how they're leveling up their clients' visuals, please visit their website at www.ohellomedia.com. Again, that's www.ohellomedia.com. everybody, welcome back to the podcast, Confessions of a Creative Director, the original podcast made by a creative director for creative directors, for aspiring creative directors, for creatives of all types looking to up their game. This is your podcast, and I am your host, Jaime Cabrera. Today's show is a mastercast with legendary commercial and film director, Jordan Brady. Uh, Jordan's going to share best practices for creative directors working alongside commercial directors, some do's and don'ts, all kinds of great information, even some information from his book. Uh, We're also going to learn a little bit about his past life as a stand-up comic and as a host on an MTV game show. So without further ado, let's get into it with Jordan Brady. Jordan Brady, the, the truest of the true gentleman. How are you? Hi, May. I am fabulous, and I am so tickled to be on your show. And just let's let's get out of the way. I'm a fan. Really? Wow, he's got I the book. The book, and look, it's earmarked, and it's there's the covers bent. Wow, through in it. Is that me? Is that is that That's a picture you. of me? Yes. Wow, that is you. <laughs> wow, I'm really wow. I did not expect that. I, I am tickled. I am. I that that makes. You just made my whole week, my whole month. Thank you so much. Page 68. Set a timer and spend the allotted time discussing and debating a prompt or question. Like, that's good for anybody in in a creative field. Wow. I love the disciplines. I I think, and I tell filmmakers, you have to listen to Jaime's podcast because it's like you're getting inside the brain of the people you pitch. I think this is a wonderful resource. I love it. Thank you so much. You, you, that caught me off guard, but in in a good way. I, I feel uh, 
that that uh, I feel very flattered. Thank you so much, and thank you for for joining the uh, the podcast. I'm excited to speak to you because I think that you're gonna uh, have a lot of useful information uh, for the audience. But before you before we get into that, mm-hmm. I've got some questions. I have some questions that I that I need answered. Um, gonna- and I, obviously, I just took to your content because you are hilarious. You're you're oh, just your you. approach is so funny and i love how you've made you know you, you you star in your own content and they're very educational but they're done in a way that that's very easy easy to understand right i i think the first one i saw was you were doing something kind of educating the audience about a reverse shot or something and it was you playing both characters super funny and i just thought that is the way that you show somebody very quickly um what that means right and and i just thought you were just sort of a hit, funny human being right and you're you're a commercial director so that's not um unusual but then as i was doing my research here i discovered some interesting notes here that that you are a a former uh stand-up comedian uh you had a a, a game show on mtv I've had a storied uh, past. You do have, and you, and this one was, this one just, just got me because, you know, who hasn't used the expression "boom chicka wow wow," and and according to this article, and I and I, I'm going to take it for for truth because it's on the internet. Is you coined that phrase? Can you confirm or deny? I can 100% confirm that I've never made a penny since the early 90s off that phrase. But uh, I can also confirm that I that was my signature bit. That was my hot pocket get her done. Uh, yeah, uh, you know whatever. Who name a comedian with a catchphrase? That was my thing, and uh, it's substantiated by old clips. Like if you yeah. watched an evening at the Improv, which is on some weird site, I think the first time I did it on television was 1988. Yeah. Like George Bush Sr. was president, I think. Yeah. And and I had toured the country doing comedy clubs as the the boom swelled and more clubs were opening and then a proliferation of brick walled television shows, which were cheap as hell to produce. Yeah. We called it a gangbang. They would line up. 30 comedians in a night you'd each do seven minutes and at the end of the night they had eight episodes of a show right and so i did bounce chicka wow wow on as many shows as i could (laughs) and you know vh1 mtv uh half hour comedy hour uh caroline's comedy hour even at the improv um there were just so many showtimes comedy network and and that was that was my thing and then i started hosting in fact that bit yeah doing at spring break for the mtv half hour comedy hour show which was like a pretty cool one to do i was on the the bill with martin lawrence who went on wow. to do television and film right and and i got plucked from that and hosted a game show. Yeah. Which led to production and see, being on set all the time and doing four shows a day and looking at the crew, working with the crew and falling in love yeah. with, with production. And, and from what I, from what I could see, it was, it was being around that environment that kind of, you know, set the light bulb 
a flame and you said, Hey, I want to, want to do that. And, and from my understanding, they said, all right, well, before you, before you start directing, you got to pay your dues, right? You got to produce some segments and do some smaller things before you, you sort of work your way up to, to the lead spot. Correct. I, I hosted a couple of game shows and some of them were like pilots. Some were just like one-offs, but I did, I did like the game show host circuit for a couple of years and i ended up on a kid's show at nbc and i said hey let me direct but i'd been shooting stuff with with uh with my video camera shooting comedians that i worked with you know during the day like let's go around town and just you interview people and i'll film it and let's edit it and so i had been practicing and honing my crude craft and yeah the the nbc producer said if you produce six episodes six segments of this show, this kid's show, you can direct one. And that turned into like dozens of directing segments and, and thank God, very little producing. Producing is the hardest thing. Yeah. Yeah, I bet. Yeah. And, and so is this where you, where you honed the uh, director look of the, of the sleeveless, the vest, because I did notice that even back back in the MTV days, because I make a joke that you may have seen where I, it's like the creative director, it's like, you got to have the black frames, you got to have the, the V-neck t-shirt. I, I've noticed you, you have the vest, some sort of vest, maybe a puffy vest. Is that so, where you sort of adopted the... <laughs> yeah, they put it, there was an article in uh, Little Black Book, the online magazine that covers our industry, and there was... And and uh, Tara McCurs, the the writer, and we spent a lot of time chatting. She interviewed me. I was so humbled. And at the last minute, she's like, "Hey, do you have a picture from what was the show?" And I said, "Name your adventure with Mario yeah. Lopez and Tatiana Ali." She was on the Fresh Prince, and big at the very big at the time. And she found they found the picture and put it in. And I'm wearing a vest. But Jaime, here's why: I started getting fat. <laughs> No, that's and and then Mario Lopez has these guns. You know, he, he still like, does. He still that's does. Stuff. He was yeah. like nineteen, yeah. and I'm now approaching thirty. I'd had yeah. at least one child. Yeah, I'm putting on weight, and I'm in a t-shirt with these scrawny arms, starting to get a little belly. So I'm like, give me the vest. I love you it. Know, next thing you know, I'll need a sports bra. Like, give me. <laughs> Well, you look you look very youthful, and I was and I was trying to understand in my mind because I was watching some of the stand up clips. I couldn't quite get the timeline straight. Were you doing the stand up first? Because in in some ways, in the stand up, you looked older, and then on the on the TV, you looked very youthful. So I I was like, wait a minute, which came first? They were concurrent paths. They were they were. Yeah, I mean, I would we would film. The great thing about a game show is like you do four or five episodes in a day. And with yeah. a kids show, we did thirteen episodes in in a summer, and they reran them and diced them. So I would go do clubs and tell dirty jokes while I was filming the kid friendly, rated G educational NBC show. Yeah, and I love but that. You you know what was what was really interesting was um, I started doing promos at MTV and Comedy Central because I hosted a Comedy Central. I did a stint on a show there and like they would give me a box of tapes and I would just go shoot promos. Yeah. And then I started pitching promos and I'd write and write and direct a campaign and produce it, made a small production company. And, and then, uh, 
a creative director that I had started stand-up with in the early 80s, Daniel Russ. You might have run across him in your days. He was like, he was working at GSD&M at the time, and he goes, mm. promo's not a commercial. It's a whole different, it may be 30 seconds, but, you know, the look isn't the same, the finesse of the finish, and the right. creative isn't the same. Like, it's, and my promos weren't clips of shows. They were original things. Like, yeah. the, the one I'm most proud of, and I'm just reminded because I ran into him at the bathroom, in the bathroom at the Directors Guild Awards. Ben Stiller had this show in the 90s called Ben Stiller Show. Yeah. And it won the Emmy posthumously, like after it was canceled. So Comedy Central brought the, uh, bought the series. They bought like yeah. 15 episodes. So I said, what if we get Ben Stiller, Gene Garofalo, Bob Odenkirk was on that show, and uh, we'll, Andy Dick, and we put him in a graveyard, and they're, Ben Stiller is in the grave digging up the tapes, the three-quarter-inch <laughs> tapes. And then he kink, kink, and he pulls up an Emmy, tosses it, because yeah. they're digging up the show to sell it. Like, yeah. somebody's yeah. different bought the show. And I saw Ben Stiller, I said, he's like, Jordan, because it's been, what, 30 years? Yeah. And uh, and it was, he was so nice, by the way, so nice. And that, to me, was like, well, that's a commercial. Yeah. But as I, so I did use those to get opportunities when I was first starting to direct commercials, but they were, they were different. They weren't, yeah. they weren't as creatively, they didn't have the twist that I yeah. like when I see a good script. Right. But probably a good, a good, um, a, a good training ground with, with probably a lot less scrutiny, right? Where you could experiment maybe a little bit for it more than you might've if it the was network never sent anyone to set yeah and they rarely had a note it was like great it's 30 seconds <laughs> in fact You're good they gave me a show a, a series comedy central gave me a series and you can edit this right I, if it's boring raise your hand no no I, I yeah so they said it's called the pipeline they have to be exactly two minutes like remember mtv had interstitial programming it was like little yeah. bits and they said, uh, the executive, she goes, you, you take the comedians because you know these people and you know how they think and just profile them. So mix a little bit of stand-up, mix a little bit of interview, but we just don't want to see them in a club. And the first one was a young man named Dave Chappelle. I think he was like 22, 23 years old. Yeah. So I put him on the roof on Melrose Avenue in LA on the roof of a thrift shop, had a crane. He talked about himself. Then he performed on the street and we cut it. And it, it, like looking back, like it's black and white and color. Yeah. And you know, you, yeah, it's very trendy and Dutch angles and everything. But there was never a note. It was like, oh, it's two minutes. It's, there's Dave Chappelle. Then the next one was Kathy Griffin, uh, I believe Patton Oswald. And we did six. And I think it, it was it either won or was nominated for the coveted Cable Ace Award, which is like winning Best Chef at a Denny's. It's not like... Uh, <laughs> you know, That's not, it's not... We're not adding anything to the EGOT. We're not adding an extra, yeah. an extra yeah. A at the end of that. Yeah. Well, that's a, that's a good... This is a good segue, uh, uh, you know, speaking about getting notes. 
Um, one of the one of the uh, other sort of first videos that I saw of yours was this this great piece where you talked about um, a tip or a kind of a best practice that you employ when you're shooting. And as you're setting up your shot, as you're setting up your you know uh, framing up your shot and getting all the scenic into into place and everything, you turn off all the monitors because you don't want to necessarily start hearing nitpicky little things from people like i don't know agency people agency creative directors like myself or the account person or whoever might be on on set there you turn them off until you're ready your your camera ready fire them back on and then you're open for notes and open to collaborate and that got me to thinking i love that note and i commented on it and how, how great it was and that got me to thinking we need to get jordan on to give us some best practices as agency people, as agency creatives, on how to best work with you know seasoned creative, uh, commercial creative directors like you, and that's that's why we're here because you're gonna kind of share some uh, some maybe some tips, some do's and don'ts, some secrets. Wow! So it, it, what a wonderful opportunity to either get more work or be shunned by people that hate these tips. <laughs> I'll never work with that asshole. But let me clarify one <laughs> but thing. But you also strike me as somebody who doesn't really care that much about that part because I think then that's probably back to your comedian days, right? Where it's just like, hey, I'm just I'm just kind of letting it all hang out here and telling the truth. But oh I got rhino skin, baby. Yeah. I got rhino but, skin. You no, no dart can penetrate. Uh but let me correct you on one thing. Okay. Okay. I don't turn all the monitors off. Oh. Okay. I only wow. turn one off. Oh, I thought it was all. Okay. No, no, no. Okay. That's the one that they can see, though. What? Well, yeah. So here's the here's the preamble. Okay. And and everybody listening knows the the drill, like right, like when you move on to a shot, the agency and the client approve the frame before you roll it with the actors or the hamburger or whatever. So by default, you know we're going to collaborate and make it what you want it to be. And I'm just a, a mere midwife for the creative, right? I'm bringing this to life. I'm helping you give birth to your spot. So I turn off the monitor in Video Village with gotcha. the preamble, yeah. hey, esteemed agency and lovely client, I'm going to turn this monitor off. And I usually do this preamble at the pre-pro or the first, the first shot. Hey, you'll notice the monitor's off feel free to walk around the set and look at the seven or eight monitors that are here. Hey, right over here, right over there, the video playback has a monitor. You can poke over her shoulder. The AC has one. The DP has a monitor behind mine. So walk around. Just don't get hurt. Don't trip on a cable. I hope you wore a sensible shoe. And look at the frame. But I ask you to withhold your comments and criticisms until we turn on the monitor live this one right here the big expensive one in video village gotcha. and i've even had a second smaller monitor right next to the one that's dark so you can watch us make the sausage but don't taste the soup until the chef says it's ready and he and here's the reason why oh i don't think we want the tricycle well, no, the, the prop master just set it down before he moves okay. over here. Like, they're going to fix the plant in the other corner, so they just dropped it. It happens to be in the shot. 
Right. <laughs> but if they go, oh, we don't like the tricycle, and then the agency producer tells the AD, uh, we're going to lose the tricycle. And then I <laughs> it sets off a, a whole yeah. It yeah. sets off a, it triggers a whole thing, right? Yeah. And I mean, and that actually happened with me with a bicycle. We had an a bike rack outside of the hero store that we couldn't move. Yeah. And I go, you know, if you put a bike there, it looks like it's a bike rack because we can't unbolt it. It's yeah, it's in the ground. And somebody had said, I don't know if I like the bike there. And I turn around, the bike's gone. I say to the the prop master, where'd the bike go? Oh, they said, take it away. And I'm like, well, me is now not even a part of that conversation. Right. And to your point, do I give a flying rat's ass at the end of the day if the bike is there or not? I mean, a little bit, right? Like, yeah. yes, we had, it's in the storyboard. We talked about it. We chose a bike between three options in the right. prep. So just allow me to go, Ta-da! And I right. try to make a big deal out of it for fun, right? Like, Stu is my longtime VTR guy. Stu, we're going live. Let's go live, Stu. And then we turn it on, and I'm there in the village. And built into the schedule is time for you, the creative team, to react. Yeah. It's not like, okay, we got to hurry up and go. That's not allowed. That would be a, a dick move on my part if it's like, okay, you guys like it because we got to hurry. Yeah. So that's the the thinking behind going dark is it helps you comment on a f presented finished frame. I love it. Okay. So that's one. What yeah. uh, what else what else you what else you got here? Well, I'm I'm old school and I have been doing commercials almost exclusively outside of my side projects for t t t 20 Three twenty-five years. So over in that article that I read, it said over thirteen hundred. Is that accurate? Yeah, and that doesn't count cut downs. Wow! <laughs> if that's, the fifteen that's a... is pulled out of the thirty, we don't count that. Right. And I'm fortunate that I, you know, I do volume. Like I can do three comedy dialogue spots in a day, so I'll get a campaign that's modestly priced and get get comedy out of it. Right. So that number that number is actual, you know, that's it's pretty accurate. Um and then lately the six second spot I make. Oh my six god. Six second spot. So you do nine of those in a day, that counts towards my uh number. Absolutely. Put them in there. Yeah. So the other one is like okay, and I know I know some creatives love to hang out at the director's monitor. I think it's more efficient if you do not. And sometimes agency creatives, because I, I hear this, they just don't want to be with the client. So, <laughs> so, so I will set up, or there's, there's a young writer who maybe doesn't have the, uh, the soft skills to be around the client, right? Right. right. Yeah, so, so they send them over there, yeah. They send them, they send them to me, and I would prefer that he, she, or they have a, their own monitor seven feet away. Right. Right? Um, I joke that there are some teams I've worked with for years. I have a like a baby Bjorn. They can ride around with me and just look back and comment. <laughs> but the, it, it, I know, and I know, I know people, creative directors of, or the agency producer will say, like, it wasn't my gig, but I had a director at a shop I owned, and they were like, it's pharma, 
the creatives like to be with the director. They like to sit with the director. They like to do it. And if I'm told, if I were told that ahead of time and I said, okay, cool, then I know the rules. Right. So that's okay. But talking during the take, don't talk during the take. Because you're talking and then I can't hear. And then the actors wonder, is this okay? Like the actor wants the director to talk one-on-one, give the notes, and the actors always go, did you get what you want? Yeah. And if someone's talking in my ear, whether it's the agency, the AD, the producer trying to whisper, it's like, oh, my God, respect the process. Let's, let's call action and cut, and then I'll come get notes. Yeah. So when you hang out at the monitor, I think it's slower because you inevitably – the creatives and not this is not a you're not a monolith right there's different personalities but sure. talk like going oh i don't like the way she, she should do that again what if we try this alt line and i'm like trying to focus here i'm looking at the shot and the performance it's it, it's just to me it's not as efficient yeah and it probably also hinders you from talking with your own folks because you may be spitballing some things with your own team, right? And it, I would imagine that it's hard to have a conversation when you know somebody's standing there and then you may throw out something that they latch on to and they're like, oh, I don't like that. I'm going to go tell somebody. Right. And and you may have, that may have been a throwaway comment or you, you were just spitballing. And now that somebody comes in and is asking you, so are you going to, are you putting the bike back in? And you're like, no, or I was just, right? It just kind of like, so it probably hinders you from from having a, a candid conversation with whoever you need to talk to from your side of the crew without somebody sort of hovering and and yes yeah and the onus i feel is on the director to establish the way she works at the pre-pro which is where you meet the client usually for the first time yeah so to your point about like working or workshopping with an actor or the crew I will say at the pre-pro, hey, tomorrow I might not be as funny as I am because I'm professionally funny, and because I, I got to be a taskmaster at some point. I got we got to get through the day, and I take this seriously. And two, the first couple of takes are probably going to suck. Yeah, and and I think it's important for the creatives to know that that doesn't mean the whole the whole thing is going to derail. It means the actors got to get up to speed. Maybe my lens choice on paper or previs was great, but we need to tighten it up a little bit. Um, maybe the blocking with real people is going to be different than we imagined. Absolutely. Yeah. So give me the first two, three takes, and then it's going to be fabulous. Because in the village, you're going to go, this is, this is going to suck. This is horrible. Yeah. And I'm at my monitor going, this is horrible. Oh, my God. Right. But sometimes, I'll add that, sometimes we directors will give the actor something to do to get them out of their head that has nothing to do like you know flirt with him flirt with the mechanic yeah and they're like no that's wrong she shouldn't be flirting well yeah. i'm just trying to get the actor to let go right yeah and giving them some business to do to kind of get them you know either it's part of it or you're just trying to get them out of their heads in some other way director actor relationship trick yeah. Um, so, you know, how do how do people react to this little pre-pro talk that 
you have. Because I again, like you said, right? I'm not gonna maybe I'm not gonna be as funny tomorrow, but you're still funny that day because you're doing the pre-pro. How does it go over typically to are people like oh, in the pre-pro? Gosh, I can't, yeah, I can't believe you said that that he's not gonna or um you know people people respond well to it. Yeah. Very well. And the other one is um I ask this would probably be the best. And everybody knows this. Like everything I'm saying is to me, pretty obvious to, to your listeners and my, you know, you have to intuitively react. Like some people are going to hate these things and some people are going, Oh, okay. I could do that. But I ask if we could have one voice in video village, that would, that would be the best for the shoot. So in other words, and I was going to ask you this in terms of what you prefer for receiving a note what is what is that not chain of command that's not the right phrase but what is the process for deliver what's the best process for delivering a note to you my guess is if i'm guessing and this is what i try to do is that somehow that team you know that from the agency or the client or whatever sort of have a small huddle of their own make a decision on a note or a couple of notes and then somebody walks it over to you and gives it to you in the in the clearest sort of way as opposed to three or four people coming to you at the craft table while you're trying to have some m&ms or something uh jicama trying to trying to keep the weight down jicama jicama it's a it's a root that sounds like a it also sounds like a way to test a microphone jicama 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 yeah uh how do i get notes okay so the traditional what do you how do you prefer to get how what like if you in a you know if you could get your notes this way from now till forever what would be the best way for you oh that's that's easy i walk over to video village and say i love take three take four and five were horrible what can we do to make it better i'm happy what can we like i like going to video village I get my steps and then uh, I hear directly. But to your point, if everybody's throwing out the ideas, then I, it is my job to go, okay, we've heard a lot of great ideas. We don't have time to do everybody's. Whose is it? Whose is it? And, and, and by teeing that up at the pre-pro and saying someone is the decider, and it's great when usually the creative director's hand goes up and goes, I'll be the decider. And you love that because now you have like, okay, I'm going to you, you're the general and I'm doing my thing on the battlefield. You're here. I can go to you and she has already weeded out these other ideas. And yeah. And, and sometimes the client, like I, I, I always remember this one. I came back after doing a take with a father and a, a daughter scene walking on the sidewalk and we wanted to have, it was a, like a Gen Z daughter and a, a Gen X dad. And they were like having a playful discussion. And I have Gen Z daughters. And so I really could relate. And I was like, they wouldn't really, the daughter wouldn't really diss the dad. It's, it's all love, right? It's acceptance. Yeah. And she may be laughing with him, but not at him. And I came back after a handful of takes and... I go, that one was the winner. And the creative director said, I really liked how they connected and she wasn't laughing at him. She was laughing with him. And the client 
dovetails that and goes, yeah, but maybe we should do another one because I felt she was kind of mocking him. So I have to, there's a stagnant pause and you wonder like politically, what do I say? And I just went, okay, those are mutually exclusive uh, interpretations of the same piece of film. Why don't we watch the playback so I can learn this is me to the client, yeah. right? So yeah. I can learn what you saw because I I don't agree, and but I don't want to like be rude or you know yeah the client's the one that we're making the stuff for. I clearly sided with the creative director, uh, but it, it was it was easier just to watch the playback and she saved face and was like, oh, I see what you mean, yeah. And, and then we were it done. Was, and and you were done. Yeah. Then we did so more takes. So as a note to, and tell me if you if you agree with this. So as a note to a creative director who's listening to this show, is be decisive. Yes. When, once you've once you've gathered the information and you've heard from all the parties, and if in fact you have been designated as the decider, um, be ready to be decisive, right? Because nothing is worse than wishy washiness on a on a on a set. On a, that's on a tight timeline that's, you know, you've got 10 more things to do and you're like, I don't know. Are you okay with saying, are you okay when somebody says, okay, we'd like to, we'd like to try two slightly different things. Is that okay? Or is it, it's gotta be one. I'm the- and I know, and I know, and I know that's kind of a silly question because there's an, in any number of, of possibilities, but just in, you know, in theory, well- is that okay? Yes, I'm the most accessible comedy director in my price range. So I'm I build in time for alts. But I yeah. will say this. And 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 I I I actually I'll send you a link if you're interested. I wrote about comedy on a bell curve. Like once you go past seven alts, it doesn't get funnier. Four four five is the sweet spot. And I think we owe it to ourselves agency and director to have alternate lines for the edit when it comes to comedy like yeah. I know pharma it's prescriptive no pun intended right you have to hit certain legalese and they have to say certain things but with comedy yeah i love i love it but here's here's the caveat if you want to try something just to because you're thinking of it on the spot like it'll be funny does it fit the tone of the spot like is it a viable option in the edit room yeah. And does it fit to time? Because sometimes a writer will have some, you know, a sentence that is never going to fit. Yeah. Right. And so I usually say, yes, let's shoot. Those are great lines. I also believe that range is overrated and you buy the talent that you saw at the callbacks. Like if the if you get a range, like let's get a range of performance. When the edit room, you're going to have to find the tone, the sweet spot. Yeah. So I feel that we saw that in the callback. Uh, secret tip for directors: I get the little uh, MP4 videos, little QuickTime videos of the winners that we cast, and I put them on my phone, and I'll show the actor going, "Hey, you probably had 12 auditions since you booked this part." This is how you said peanut butter. 
Like, this <laughs> That's is great. the character. You did like four versions because the time to play is in the callback. Yeah. And I love in the callback when the writer or the art director has like an idea of, hey, maybe we should try this and experiment, play, exploit the time with the actor because the actors love it because they're acting. The director gets to direct. There doesn't need to be a camera there. Like, that's fucking fun. And then we yeah. hone it down and kind of go into the shoot with a, more of a scalpel. And that, in turn, allows for, yes, we have time to mm. do alt lines. Like it, now, and, and can I add one thing? Sure. If you do the alt lines, and again, this is more comedy centric. If you do your alt lines in a medium shot, then it's interchangeable as opposed to let's do it in the wide shot and the coverage and yeah. the mean, because now you have, you've just tripled the amount of shots we have to do. Right. With your, with the seven alts. Right. But if you limit it, like you go in and this is all in prep, you know, agency director talking like, Hey, I had an idea. Hey, what are you guys thinking about the script? Where, if we can do your alt lines in frame seven, the medium close up, we can just rattle them off. Right. And then in the edit, you pick a winner. That's great. Yeah, that's gold right there. That's podcast gold. So it really is. I, I need to maybe highlight that one. Um, so the, your note is, is, a, is a really good one, right? Because to your point, these actors may have done, you know, they may be coming from an audition. Do you do the same thing back to the agency and the client to reset their mind and remember what they fell in love with so that they don't go, I don't, let's try, you know, do you do that as well or no? You know, I've never shown the agency or client those videos, but they were in the, usually in the room or on the Zoom right. when we chose them. That's a great idea. I might start doing that. Ah, uh, there you go. That one's on the house. <laughs> I I am uh I still am tactile with I print the storyboards and have them at the pre-pro and I take notes. Like I remember a client saying, We love the cast and the husband and wife are perfect, but we don't want the wife to come off like a shrew browbeating her husband. I think the word was bitch, right? <laughs> and, yeah. and I wrote that on my, I write those notes on my thing, on my storyboards. Right. And then sidebar, how many clients listen? Do we? I don't know. I no well, idea. I sidebar with the agency going, are you guys cool? You know, I work for the agency. Do you, do you mind if she gets a little bitchy? And they're like, no, it's funny when she's bitchy. Like I go, okay. So then on set, we do it, we do it, and then I'll do one more take and go, this time, you know, be really nice and accepting and uh, make sure that you're a team, husband and wife. Yeah. And then that last one, go back to the village and say, wow, we got some great takes. That last one, she was really, I remember you didn't want her to be uh, a shrew. And that last one, circle that. And then by the time the edit goes, they forget. Their <laughs> note, and the agency gets the one they wanted. Right. <laughs> That's good. Sneaky. I like it. All right. So what else? What else you got? What else? Keep them, um, keep them coming. Okay. So, um, I, I, 
the QR code made a resurgence during the pandemic. Yeah, you know what? And just a real quick sidebar. The, the, the QR code, it, it took, I mean, I remember using QR codes like, I don't know, 12 years ago at this activation thing that we did for our client at TED, at a TED, at like at a TED event, like the big TED event, right? And we had built in these QR codes and we thought people are going to love these things. And we had done them in this way where people could learn about each of the speakers. I can't remember. Nobody used it. It took so long for the QR code to finally come into its own. Who's the, whoever the QR code guy is who invented it is probably finally feels vindicated. But yes, sorry, go ahead. Well, no, I was just going to say that that was the one thing that stuck during the pandemic. And the other thing is, you know, tele, telecommunicate video conferencing, Zoom. Yeah. Boy, the Skype people dropped the ball. Yes, they, they did. They, I mean, they were number one and then never heard of them. They owned it, yeah. So my tip would be to, uh, and this is to directors and and agency creatives, and and specifically the creative director listening, make time for like a seven minute check in during prep. And I ask for it now, like I'm prepping a gig, and we just hung up like that kickoff call, and I know that the agency team is super busy you have multiple projects you know you got a life you got a kid but if you could give me seven minutes i feel that this face-to-face is a little more direct and efficient than i make an email send it to the producer the producer sends it to the agency producer agency producer sends it to the creative team they wait and get in front of their creative director and get feedback and then the reverse happens because not just the telephone game or the email chain, but just time. Oh, absolutely. So, so it's like, hey, before we, here's an example. We were going into casting and the agency, this may be another note. It, it's not an all back. Don't pick everyone to come to the callback. Yeah. And typically the agency list of callbacks is double digits, deep into double digits. Mine is usually four or five people for each role at the most. Yeah. Because, I mean, I, this is what I do. And I, I hopefully had a take that got me the gig. Right. So rather than say, send an email that says, you guys pick too many people. I would rather get on a Zoom for seven minutes and go, tell me what you liked about Jaime. Because I didn't pick him. I want to learn. And I just think it bonds us creatively, like we get literally on the same page about the casting yeah. before the callback. Seven minutes is all I need. Absolutely. And I actually employ this in sort of my creative process, right? Because I try to follow uh, the, this sort of agile approach, right? The way software developers develop software. Hold on. Let me let my dog out before he goes nuts here. He's been very patient. <laughs> While... Why Jaime is letting out the dog, I'm going to read from you page 70 from his book, What's the Big Idea? Principle three, use games and props to make ideation more fun and fruitful. That's a good we're one. Back. I like that. Yeah. We're And we're back. Um, uh, I was saying, uh, oh, yes, the agile approach, right? And one of the ten the key tenets of the agile approach is to if something can be solved with a conversation, 
a conversation is always better than an email or a text. Pick up the phone, and, and because if not, think about just like just like you described. I'm, I'm repeating what you're saying, but you're going to send an email. Then that email is going to get read, and then maybe somehow translated and sent to somebody else. Meanwhile, this whole time you're waiting, right? So it's going to probably add a day. But conservatively yes. speaking, it's going to add a day of not knowing who is going to make it to the final callback or whatever the, whatever the challenges or the, the question is. It's going to add a day at the very minimum. Pick up the fucking phone and just have a conversation, right? Amen. Um, it's it's that's and that's how you move quickly. And as and I, I'd love to spend some time talking about this, but um, and the world changed right a couple of years ago, and and it's never going back. Everybody is going to want things even faster, cheaper, more efficiently, um, et cetera, et cetera. So that kind of stuff, you know, I think the the endless chains of emails that's got to that's got to go away. Amen. The um the fun thing about talking like specifically with casting even before the callbacks is if I learned why you liked uh, Sally and I didn't pick Sally, I may see character with uh, through a new lens. Like oh okay, now I let's bring Sally back. You've won me over in this seven minutes, or when. Caroline comes in for the callback, I can pepper in a little Sally. Mm. Right? Like, I'm now better informed of what you want out of the spot, and it serves the tone that I pitched, you know, that got the gig, and we're all aligned. It just, and that makes the day go faster because, as I said, range is somewhat overrated. You want the actor to bring to set what she did in the callback. They come in doing something totally different. It might be fun. Like, oh, that's different. That's a surprise. And those yeah. happy accidents we all love. But nine times out of ten, it's like, okay, let me get you on the right path. So uh, clients earmuffs again. Now, that sounds <laughs> like a very, very thoughtful client and or agency person who has thought through all those details. And how often is it that they're just scared and they're sort of you know clutching their pearls i'm like i don't know i don't know who to pick so instead of instead of being decisive and making four picks let's invite 15 of them back you know what i mean how, how much is it is it of, of real sort of oh i saw this here and i saw that as opposed to just like i can't make a decision well let's see everybody typically the typically the agency is very decisive you know i i suggest here's a good one but i'm sure I'm sure everybody does this before you even send picks to the client, take a walk after the callbacks and review the session. You know, they've taped the, they've recorded the selects, everybody. So watch your selects because ultimately they have to play back on a TV or a phone or a computer anyway. So even though you laughed in the room or you love what they did live, how did it play? two or three hours later at the end of the day. Hmm. And, and that usually weeds, weeds out people. Like I'm always surprised that someone I thought who was like, this is my favorite person for this role. Um, was like, when I watched it back, go, God, not as funny. Didn't ferment as well. Hmm. 
and uh, I've had account account people weigh in with, uh, ooh, he looks like the client's ex husband, <laughs> and I'm like, oh, hey, you know, that's uh, that's out of my realm right there. Yeah, that's funny. That's funny. And then there's also, would you say there's also, and, and I'm sure there's a name for it, right? But if you're watching, let's say that you're watching the the audition in person, there's something that happens once you sort of overlay a lens on it, right? And it and it it kind of transcends and it's now in some other world. And sometimes that world doesn't doesn't it's not the same. It's not the same. Yeah. What is um, that? What do you call that? I don't know. Like some people are funny in the room. I advise actors don't come in and be really funny when you first walk in the room if you can't make the material just as funny. So some of them oh. come in like, hey, how's everybody doing? Ba 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 and then they do the material and they're a terrible actor and we we our hearts are let we're we're crestfallen. Yeah. That's interesting. Well that that now we're now we're venturing into tips for for actors. What is there are there any other uh, any any last sort of um, best practices for our agency and um, and client folks, even yeah, in, in terms yeah. of working with the with the director. On your your smartphone has a stopwatch. Time out the script. Time it out. And I just read this on somebody had posted on LinkedIn. Uh, I think they were from Mischief, right? having a great run with some fun stuff about write out your montages because when it says we see a montage going through town i'm like well that could be the budgetarily what is that but yeah story story wise what are the what are the essence of each what is the morsel that communicates montage right and so if you don't write out the montage how do you time the script even if you just have two people at a restaurant, time out the dialogue and leave a fucking beat for the waiter for, to react or I'm having what she's having. Like, build right. in time for us to let the di your dialogue breathe. Right. Speed round. Here's another one. Writers. Improv is overrated. I love improv actors. I've worked with Catherine Hahn, Keegan Michael Key, Kevin Hart, Will, like uh, Pat Finn, who's like from Second City. They improv, but sometimes the improv is like an eight-second riff, right? And then how's that going to fit into twenty-four seconds with a burger shot and a logo? It right. won't. So we're cracking up on set. Another tip: if it cracks you up on set, that doesn't mean it's funny in the edit room. Right. It might have been funny because it was different. But back to this improv is overrated, you know, save the improv for that medium close up and let them riff. And maybe you pluck one out if it's short. But yeah. I say it to the writers and the creative directors because your script is what sold. Your script yeah. was crafted. I remember I said something on a call where I go, you know, that one line in the scene with the mailman, that doesn't really it's neither funny nor is it a product feature. Like, I don't even understand that line. And they said, well, that's strategy. And I was like, okay, that's, I'll stay in my lane because the strategy should be in the script. 
right? The directors probably don't know that as well as you people do. When I say you people, I mean the agent yeah. people. So respect that from the director's point of view, but also if we have them improv, it's not going to be on point with the messaging nine times out of 10. Yeah. They ad lib something about a donkey, but now, so what gives? Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. So in terms of the... In terms of... It, it seems like it would you would benefit from having some kind of, uh, and I'm, I'm sure this does happen, but maybe it needs to be a little bit more pronounced. You would probably benefit from some sort of really deep reading of the script in advance where you might have gotten that note ahead of time. Like, oh, that's that this is this this line is is really the underlying strategy message. As opposed to, because it sounds like in that particular case, were you getting that note on on set? Well, it was in the in, when I was pitching. Oh, I so, see. So by the time okay. we got to set, I was I that was my favorite line, favorite scene. Okay, okay. Right. So you did get that. Yeah. You did get that information. Okay, but I, it, I think sure the, that the 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 onus is on the director to ask questions about the script. So a tip for creative directors is. Uh, to make sure on that first call, you set up the proper context, which most people do. Like when I started back in the olden days, fax machines and and Zoom players and things like that. You know, you got a you got a script that typically was just a bunch of words. You did a conference call on a phone, speaker phone. You wondered if anybody was laughing. You yeah. Know, sometimes you'd hear, "We're nodding in agreement on this end, George." Yeah. Like yeah. so polite, thank you. Yeah. So yes, cre uh, creative directors, please turn your camera on at least yeah. to say hello. Uh, yeah. During the, during the pitch, that oh my breeds, god breeds confidence for us. Uh, yeah. Although now there's AI software that can make it look like your eyeballs are looking. I know. At the camera. I saw that. That's oh. so weird. That is so weird. But yeah, I agree with you. I mean, that's just the universal tip. If somebody is pitching you something, they're putting their heart and soul in. Turn on your fucking camera. Please, it's not that hard. At least at the beginning, or for a wave yeah. at the end. Um, but the con now the decks that that I'm just blown away by the agency decks that go out to directors. They don't need. Oh, here this is a practical tip, because I'm old school and I print everything so I can yeah. scribble my thoughts. Like my in my book, it would say print, scribble, draw. So you're real time vomiting creativity as you're reading this script for the first time. So don't no more black cover page with white text because when I print it, it's all my ink <laughs> and it's all wet and I forget I yeah. can skip that page. Uh, it looks so sexy. It looks cool. It looks sexy in the PDF, yeah. but giving the director context. Um, oh, here's a here's a great one if I can use your platform for this. Yes. I love that you're getting fired. I feel like we're just, I think we're going to go on, like, we're going to go another 
30. We got, we got, Cut me you're, you're just getting, no, 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 I'm loving this. You're getting, you're getting into your, you're getting fired up. I love it. Okay. So directing commercials is not brain surgery. It's fun. It takes, I think it takes both art and craft and I love what I do and I love every opportunity, but the, the diversity, equality and inclusion, I see more uh, lip service than I see jobs. Mm. So I love when agencies, they want to bid, let's say, a black director. We're, we want a black director. Make sure you give, a, give us a female director to bid. Or there was a thing called free the bid where yeah. we'll add a fourth director that's a woman. Now, I'm biased because I'm married to a female Latina director. Yeah. So I, I've kind of lived tangentially in this world. I say pick a, pick a product, and it doesn't have to be a product marketed towards African Americans, towards black people, and it could be any product, and say, we're going to hire a black director. Like all three directors that you bid are black directors. That way, a black director will get the job. Now, this may be strange if you're listening on Spotify or iTunes. Jordan Brady is the poster child of white privilege. Why would I be saying this? It knocks me out of the running. I don't believe this is a zero-sum game. Yeah. Rising tides lift all ships. Absolutely. It's been too easy for white directors, and it's still white male directors. Look at the Oscars, right? Uh, it's easier for white male, predominantly straight filmmakers, to to get gigs, and and I see from an agency point of view that the white male director probably has the spot on his reel. But since it's not brain surgery, and that director that you're bidding, if they're they probably have just as much game and they have a great reel, if they don't. I say take a chance. They're going to be surrounded by a production company. Right. I have a production company. I'll produce for any director someone wants to hire that has been vetted by the agency. And I'll surround them with his, their own crew, my crew. We'll make sure they follow the protocol. Like We have to give people from underrepresented populations an at-bat with a wage, with getting paid to do it. They don't need to sh I have a shadow on every set, right? But, but I give them a stipend, but that's really just so they're insured. Okay? Mm. It's, it's, you know, it's, it's just better legally. Yeah. Um, so that's my, that's my rant on diversity is just, just commit to hiring. We do it in casting all the time. Yeah. The doctor is going to be a black woman in her 40s. Great. And then we go cast that. So I'm not right. saying you have to be that prescriptive with the, the, the director, but say, you know what, for, for this Folgers commercial, do they make Folgers? I'm really dating myself. Yeah, I think this, they do. For this Folgers yeah. commercial, we need a black director. Why? Because we want to help diversity, not because they, they're going to, like, to say that, that any one director that is of a certain race represents all black voices or Asian voices, like no race is a monolith, right? So hire them for their taste and their tone and their skill 
and uh, there i've gone on and on about that no i like it and so if we if we take away one thing from that is just just do it just stop talking about it and sort of do it just do it yeah i like it all right what else what else this is the this is a this is an important question by the way if you don't know this technique the what else technique because I, if i keep asking what yeah. else you're going to get to one you're going to be like it's i don't know it's a thing i read i read about it in the coaching habit it's called a w e ah and what else well don't don't overlook a director when you're hiring them because they don't have the exact spot on the reel like you may get something else special from the director who hasn't done your spot before right and i don't know that that's an agency thing in fact i've talked to agency friends who are like yeah we hate when sales reps from production companies send us the director who's done our spot to, to me there i mean there's somewhat of an insult in that like right oh, by the way he he's already done an ostrich at the airport yeah. okay and just he's because got a lot of, he, this is our number one ostrich expert <laughs> director yeah and and i get it like oh he's handled an ostrich but you know maybe someone's worked with a different flightless land bird <laughs> um and, and 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 don't and i think this is probably as i say it it's more on the reps and the production companies than the receiving end of the agency but i don't care if the setting is an office we've all shot in an office it's the tone of the humor. So I would rather show you a spot that mm -hmm. has the tone that you're looking for, or you like my comedic point of view that I've been trying to hone in on for years, more than the fact that I've shot in an office. Because I'm going to get a production designer, the DP shot in an office. We've all, sh like, I've shot on a fake airplane many times. Just because your script is in a fake airplane, is in an airplane, <laughs> what if it's a drama? You're going to get right. Comedy Boy that did the funny spot on the airplane? So, so uh, this has been kind of like a short, you know, master class. I know that uh, I want to talk a little bit about your, um, your, your, your film, commercial film training company. Tell us a little bit about that commercial directing film school and thank you Jaime commercial directing film school dot com uh, it's been so fun for me because uh, you know when I started there were people that were very nice letting a comedian game show host direct some things and a lot of people help like don't stand in the key light hey you're talking over the actors hey you got you can't do this and then there were assholes who just wanted me to fail yeah and that's a part of life and i vowed never to be that person so i started doing workshops like th three or four times a year and then when the pandemic hit i put it online and now i do both i have a big retreat coming in uh september of 2023 it'll be our second one where my wife and i ran a retreat and she just had her first film come out last summer called a diamond in the rough mean girls meets happy gilmore and she's <laughs> a love it. wonderfully talented woman and uh we just went to joshua tree with 20 filmmakers and 
we had every meal together if you wanted. We took hikes. We talked. I had a curriculum. I did a case study of like the life cycle of a commercial from a director's point of view. Like from the email that they want to do a call to the brief, to the treatment, to the changes, to the callbacks, snippets of the Zoom. And, you know, everybody knows, the agency knows that I share this. Sure. Um, to the final spots being on air, to the post and ad critic. And it's it's a wonderful, I mean, that's not the only curriculum, but it's it's called Define Your Voice. And it's just, I mean, the big trick about teaching, and I hope you get this from everything you're doing here, is you talk to people, and I learn more Absolutely. than the students. And, I, and like, there, I have a filmmaker, young guy, who's been just self-taught, clawing his way through, uh, like, social things, uh, social shoots, lower budget. And I'm like, how do you, how do you, how do you pull that off? Oh, well, we have this, we have that. And I'm just like taking all these mental notes. This is great because we have to adapt. Absolutely. If you don't adapt, then it's, you'll, you'll be, yeah, you'll be, uh, you'll be extinct soon. So how do, um, you know, how many, how many students do you take? Is it like a, like per quarter or like how many students do you, do you take on asking for a friend? Yeah. 15, 15 filmmakers for commercial directing boot camp, one day okay. deep dive in LA. The next one's August 22nd, but it's sold out. I'm not doing it over the summer because I'm going to prep for this second annual retreat. That's 20 filmmakers. It's like, uh, Literally, someone signed up over the weekend. I think there's like 12 spots left. It'll it'll sell out. It sold out last time. And some of those people did the boot camp. And then the master class is online. Uh, and I have a shadow class online where my son, Ben, is a director DP. He literally was over my shoulder talking to the crew at the camera, talking with the actors, and going over to Video Village. And then I he... He as a DP, he's actually shot on the master classes, like yeah. Neil deGrasse Tyson, and you know, who, uh, all kinds of uh, professionals, experts yeah. in their field. So he came to my little studio and he lit it like a master class, and I talked to the camera. And by the way, those are great. The the uh, Jeff Goodby's master class, yeah, is wonderful. Ron Howard has a filmmaking master class. Not that that's the real master class. Mine is master class, so I don't get sued. Yes, but not no no TM, no TM as a dash, and you spell class with a K or something. Yes, <laughs> yeah. So okay, so I'm just trying to understand how you're so prolific. So the, you you've got all that stuff going on, and then you've got the podcast. Tell us a little bit about the podcast. Oh, thank you. My podcast is called Respect the Process. It's uh, we're approaching our 10 year anniversary. We launched in September of 2013 and it's it's creative directors like yourself. You're going to be on. Yeah, you're you. We're going to record yours in a couple of days. Yes, that's right. And you may this may come out before. I don't know. It's I'm going to try to get this out. Yeah, I'm going to try to get this out quickly. Yeah. It's hard to stay consistent, but uh, directors and then crew members. Like technicians, sound mixer, uh, key grip, just to keep you know variety. And the occasional indie filmmaker or vendor, someone has it. Somebody had an invention. This DP friend had an invention that 
you put on between the tripod or I mean between the steady cam and the camera to make steady cam less steady, which I was like, that huh. alone is an oxymoron, but uh, yeah. on the show, let's talk about it. To give it a little bit more rea- realistic feel or something. Is that what it yes. was? Yeah, to bring yeah. handheld to steady cam. Oh, okay. All right. I like it. Why okay. Would, why and, not just be handheld? <laughs> well, because then that's too much, right? Yeah. Um, all right. And then tell us about uh, True Gentleman Industries, which is kind of the, is that, would you say that's sort of the master brand? I mean, that's your, that's your production company, right? That's yes. Your, okay. I, I had a, I had a production company with some partners in the aughts. I've been signed to companies. I was with a wonderful uh, EP, Lawrence Schwartz from Kaboom, uh, which has been around for, for a long time. And, but all the while, I've had True Gentleman Industries to service what I call house accounts, like people that I've been working with since to like 2005, yeah. literally one, one of my clients, Toyota clients. And then I just got to the point where it's like, look, I can give any pro- – this sounds like a sales pitch, right, for me, but I give right. each project full court press attention. Yeah. And like in in the late 90s early 2000s, especially the dot com boom, going from job to job to job. And and there are A-list directors that go job to job to job sure. and they have a whole team. So I'm trying to give more of a white glove service like uh, this this thing I'm shooting in the, the two Sundays. I'm 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 all in. Yeah. But the bandwidth of prepping a job, I still have a producer, and then I once I get my key people hired, the DP, the production designer, and stylist, and we all zoom and get it, do like our own kickoff call, and the agency's happy, and I got my check-ins. It's not twenty-four hours a day, and then I bulk the podcast interviews. Like I think I have eight in the can. Yeah, my son, I Dropbox. My son Jake edits. He sends me back. The file, I just need to drop in the intro. Helen has been doing my intro for 10 <laughs> years. <laughs> and so the, the the podcast is sort of streamlined. I Good. don't use a scheduling program like I should. I should use some yeah. AI assistant. And then the, the film school is, um, it kind of runs itself because like three boot camps a year is... It's, uh, I mean, I've been doing that since 2015. So I, the curriculum changes all the time. It's updated, but there are the core tenets of like, uh, and I, I do actually teach turn the monitor off, like we started talking about. Yeah. But in the beginning, I didn't explain why. And my dear friend, a creative director, Dan Counselor in, in Detroit at Leo Burnett said, I love that you do that. But the first two times, two days of shooting with you, I thought that is such a dick move. And I go, what do you mean? He goes, well, you didn't really explain it. You just like, we're all yeah. looking around. And I was like, you're right. That was a total dick move. And I, t- I think I told you before we started, there was a guy on TikTok, a creative director that responded saying, yeah, that's I like my directors more collaborative. And my retort is, it's more collaborative to get the soup ready before you taste it and then say, Absolutely. how do you want to, how do you want to, you want hot sauce? You want a little more yeah. salt? Like 
I make no mistake that the director is the dressmaker. And if you don't like these short sleeves because your arms are fat, we're going to put some sleeves on it. Like, I made four feature films with some a few egotistical actors that were a chore to deal with. I won't name any names, but his initials were Billy Bob Thornton. And if you, I got through that with a smile and a sense of humor. There's no client. There's no creative director, creative. There's nothing you can throw at me because I know the rules, right? Yeah. So I think the creative directors, you know, there's a story I was thinking about. And then I'll shut up. No, no, no. Keep going. I'm loving this. I was doing Popeye's chicken commercial. This is like 20 years ago. And we changed something that I thought was insignificant. But instead of like white banners, we made black banners with white text. Like we changed it, right? Yeah. Ink was, there was no price tag for ink at that time. And right before we walked in the pre-pro, the creative director stopped and goes, hey, can I see these are the designs you're going to pitch? And I was with the copywriter and the art director. And uh, the copywriter was Rob Riley, who's gone on to uh, be a, a mega king of advertising. Hmm. By the way, Google him. Okay. Uh, but the copywriter and the, and the creative director stopped by and said, why did you change that? And they said, oh, they, the agency explained it. And I said it would film better. It wouldn't reflect and blow out on camera. And he, he goes, I don't know if I agree with that, but okay. Went in the room three minutes later and towed the party line for his team. Right? Like, just, we think this is better. Here's why. The team put a lot of thought into this. And I was like, what just happened? Two minutes ago, he didn't like it. And he expressed that. And they said, push back a little bit and go, no, trust us. And he goes, okay. And then not only trusted them, but sold it like it was the thing saving the campaign. Yeah, I think that's somebody who understands the big picture. And while he may have walked away still feeling a little bit uncertain, he knew it wasn't going to make or break the spot one way or the other. And he knew that if he got everybody comfortable that you were going to be able to move on and you were going to be able to finish on time and everything's going to be fine so i think that's a mark of you know kind of a, a good leader that confident understand that's looking at the bigger picture right and i think a lot of people uh, and i think it's a fear thing a lot of people will hone in on stuff like that and you know and and won't let go and then cause all sorts sorts of other problems so you shared a pretty good one i i'd say a few seconds ago in terms of a confession and i forgot to prep you on this but oh, you listen to the show now is is the is the time to share a confession as uh you know the shows confessions of a creative director right uh i'm going to ask you to share something a creative crime of some sort a di- directorial crime or just something you want to get off your chest uh that's a great question and i've listened you know i love the show so i knew this was coming i wanted to be spontaneous while i think i'll i'll encourage the viewers to go to chapter 7 page 89 of what's the big idea no asshole i have a no i have a strict no assholes policy 
I don't tolerate bullies, sexist, yeah. racist, liars, con artists, enough said. Credit to Jim Ritter for this one. You gave credit yeah. in the book. That's yeah. one of my favorites is the no asshole policy. Um, yeah, I was like, what do I want to confess? I mean, I will... I will confess that I have taken jobs, not many, but for the money, strictly for the money. Yeah. And didn't, didn't even get the commercial. Yeah. Uh, more when I was younger and starting out. Now, you know, now the trick is to compartmentalize your brain and get excited about anything. Like, there's got to be a reason to do a job. Is it for the real the relationship or the revenue and it's yeah. re the revenue is usually last because you, you know you can have a a good money year but your real sucks or if you're an asshole you people aren't going to work with you again so right. i tend to prioritize the real and the relationships and usually the relationships i mean i had a I had an agency that i worked with for decades ask me to do they go it's not funny but we know you'll be nice to the client i go yeah. bring it on but I have done a couple where early on where it was just like somebody, clients yapping, agency changing their minds and this and that. And I'm just smiling going, I'm getting paid like I'm a, from a small town in Ohio. I'm getting paid a lot of money. I'm going to make this the best damn commercial there is. I won't name the product, but their initials were AT&T. <laughs> which is still holding on to the telegraph in their name, which uh, hasn't been used for a while. Yeah. yeah. Oh, here's a last bonus tip. All right. Creatives. Yeah. Talk your clients out of uh, needing a wide shot. And if you need the wide shot to establish things, and this is a filmmaker tip, don't start with the wide shot. And so if you have to do a wide shot, Understand you don't need the entire dialogue in the wide shot. You're never going to use that morsel, especially if she's talking about the product, in the wide shot. The wide shot is the le gets the least amount of time on screen, but it takes the most fucking time to build and light and shoot. So often I'll be doing the wide shot and I don't do it first. And someone will go, can we do it again where she's like, and I'm like, you're... It, we just need them to step on the front porch. Right? <laughs> we just need them waving goodbye. You're never going to use that. I think I'm. I, I think I'm. I'm a little embarrassed because I think I've been guilty of that. But I think in in the past, it's just been sort of like it, it, it's sort of like a way to. It's sort of like a way to. Um, it's like a comfort thing. But that's a that's a great note. I'm always for if it, we're not if we know we're never going to use it. Don't don't do it. So that that is it. That is a good note. And oh, bonus, bonus! Don't say this. Can't we just turn the camera and dot dot dot? Because, or you know, and that and then I go. It'll look terrible. It's not. We're not ready for that. No, no, we're never going to use it. The client just wants to know we have it. Well, dude, if we're going to shoot it, let's make it great. Oh yeah, I like that. The the old. Uh, I know we're never going to use it, but just be good to have. It'd be great to have. Have you ever here? Um, now I'm going to force some confessions on you. Have you ever? Have you ever done like okay, yeah, sure, and then just like did it and then not actually rolled? Oh wow, no! But this, <laughs> now you're what else? 
works. Yeah. I did I have I have in the digital age deleted a take off the camera because it was perfect, the performance was perfect and it was slightly out of focus. And one time I had an editor who chose a take that was slightly soft. And, you know, the editor's looking on a monitor, not the flat yeah. screen at the bar that's really big. Right. And I got into a little, you know, he's civilized, but heated discussion about, well, no, it's, it's binary. It's either sharp or it's not. So yeah. the script notes say, NG, no good. And then in big letters, it says, out of focus, soft. Yeah. You weren't supposed to even use that. But the performance is so good. Well, yes, of course, I'm deft at my comedy directing. Yes. So after that, I I deleted the I had him delete it off the camera, like hit the button that deleted the file. And the digital imaging technician who processes the film said, You're really disrespecting the process. It may throw off all the numbers and everything when they go to transfer and to color. And I was like, I know, but I, it's, it's, it was such a good take. We'll do it again. We're, and I did a second take in focus before I deleted. it. Yeah. So I kind of forced the hand in the edit. All right. Well, that was a, that was a pretty good, that's, that might've, that might get bumped up to the confession Ooh. a little bit. Ooh. Well, Jordan, this has been uh, everything that I hope for and so much more. Thank you so much for sharing all this wisdom. I think that it will be super helpful, especially for uh, young creatives that are coming up that are maybe just starting to get into this world. And, um, you know, maybe they will come into a set much better prepared to understand sort of the best practices and how to get really at the end of the day, all this stuff is just going to make the product better. Oh, yeah. You know, God bless the agency. Well, you know, when directors write their spec spots, I'm like, do you get paid to create campaigns and write scripts? And or the director puts the product shot against the cinder block wall. And I go, what art director would allow you to stage your product shot against a cinder block wall? Like the, the collaboration with agencies and I'm and I'm sucking up just to leave a good impression here. But um, it all starts with a great script, with a great idea. And so we, we are the midwives that bring it to life. And, and I love it. That's why I love I love that there's a, a release date and funding for the, for the movie, the little 30-second movie, as opposed yeah. to the studio has to find a place on the slate. My movie got greenlit. We have to find a star. Like, it's backwards. The director's yeah. retrofit into the 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 premiere of the commercial yeah yeah thank no, it's you for true. having me yeah thank you thank you for being on here and thank you so much for the kind words about the book and uh i'm really tickled that, that you're getting uh something out of it so I, I appreciate that yeah the book is called what's the big idea <laughs> an indispensable guide to becoming a kick-ass creative director uh and jaime i i want to yeah. say to my filmmaker friends tuning in it's it gets you inside the mind of the creative director. Yeah. I hope, no. I, hope, I hope folks pick it up. Yeah. And where's, and, um, and where's, where's, uh, I don't, I don't even know if I want to throw this out there, but 
because you have so much on your plate. But where's where's the book? Where's your book? That that way we just talked about. My book is called Commercial Directing Voodoo. There is one. Okay, yes. see, I thought there wasn't one. Okay, I didn't commercial know that. Di commercial Directing Voodoo is 20-plus years of filmmaking experience. In, How did I miss that? For $10. It's on Amazon. I read the yeah. uh, audio book. Did you read your audio book? I'm uh, in the process of doing the final edit, so I'm hoping to get it out here pretty soon. Oh, people so, love yes. it on Audible. Yeah. But the, I, I have illustrations in my book. That's awesome. Uh, well, it's awesome for me because I did them, but they're stick figures. Like they're like this, like you made yeah. a guest appearance in my in my book, <laughs> and I've had had people actually go, "Did a child do those for you?" Yeah. <laughs> well, I didn't know that. I, that I miss I missed that in my research. I'm gonna have to pick that up. Oh no! It, well, uh, it's a it's a good lunchtime read. All right. Well, I will pick that up. And and let's just keep talking. I really enjoyed our conversation. Yeah. I'm looking forward to being a, on your show and, and just continuing our our, our newfound friendship here. Uh, yes, I think you're awesome. And I wish you continued success in everything that you do. And uh, we'll keep chatting. Well, thanks for having me. Yeah, absolutely. See you later. Thanks. All man. right. Take care. Bye. And there you have it, folks. Another episode of Confessions of a Creative Director in the books. Thanks to my very special guest, Jordan Brady. That was some good information. I hope everybody took some notes so that you can be prepared uh, for your next uh, shoot, for your next content shoot or commercial shoot, whatever you're doing. I think all these uh, do's and don'ts really apply to that. So thanks to Jordan for being on the show. Hey, if you haven't done so already, pick up my book. What's the big idea? An indispensable guide to becoming a kick-ass creative director. I think on the next volume, I'll have to include some of those uh, great tips from Jordan in there. But uh, pick this up. It's on Amazon. It's a thin book, but it's filled with lots of great information that will help you prepare for the role of creative director. Uh, hey, folks, subscribe to the show. Subscribe to the podcast on YouTube or on Spotify, uh, Apple Podcasts, wherever you get your podcasts. Please subscribe, like it, leave us a review, tell your friends about it, and let's grow the audience for uh, the coming year. I also want to thank our sponsor for today's show, Oh Hello Media. Check them out at ohellomedia.com. Until next time, peace, love, and creativity. Do your job, but could you make the logo bigger?